This is Transit Unplugged, and I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And today, we bring you another insightful interview with a transit executive, Mr. Tom Egan, who is Chief Executive Officer of MV Transportation, one of America's largest contractors in the public transportation arena. We talk about his role there at MV, how the COVID-19 pandemic affected MV, how they responded to it. They're one of the earliest companies that came out with a response plan. Uh, We talk about their role in the North American Transit Alliance and MV's 45th anniversary since Faison and Alex Lottie founded the company in 1975. We talk about all that and more on this special insightful edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and we're excited today to bring you another in-depth interview with one of our industry's top leaders, Tom Egan, who is CEO, Chief Executive Officer of MV Transportation. Tom, thanks so much for being with us today on the show. Yeah, thank you, Paul, and I'm very happy to be here. So where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from our headquarters in Dallas, Texas. That's great. I'm in the office today. Yeah, that's great. It's good to get things back a little bit more to normal, huh? Yes. So uh, I've been there, actually, to a great office, and I used to work with MV, and and so honored and thrilled to have you on the show as a result of that. I think, as I was just telling you ahead of time, I'm really impressed with the work you've done there at MV Transportation since you've been CEO. How long have you been there? And kind of tell me, you know, about what your experience has been so far. Yeah, I've been with MV a little over two years. And and actually, it's been an incredible journey. So, I mean, my background was 30 years in the technology industry, and I retired from that industry and wasn't really sure what I was going to do with the next phase of my life. And this opportunity came up, and and, uh, I thought long and hard about it for several months. Once I joined the company because I loved what the company stood for, and I really wanted to do something that helped and impacted people's lives. And so this was an opportunity to do that. And frankly, it's been an incredible journey. I got a great team, amazing, talented team. We got great customers and a very supportive board. Our original founders of the company, Alex and Faison Lottie, is still on the board, still very active and incredibly supportive of what we're trying to do with the company. That's great. Why don't we, to put it all in context, let's talk about the company itself and the industry that it's in. Most folks understand that we interview transit executives and most transit agencies in the country are are quasi-public agencies, but a lot of them have chosen to contract out some of their work to specialists, contracting companies, and you're one of the big ones. You're one of, actually, I think you're the only American-owned of the large, big three ones. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and, and right in the heart of the country in Dallas, Texas. So tell us some about the company itself, maybe its founding. I know it's got an amazing story, uh, and what you guys actually do day to day. Yeah, so we just had our 45th year celebration uh, anniversary. And so the company was originally founded by Alex and Faison Lottie back in San Francisco. And they founded the company with one van in a recognition that there were people uh, in the community that were disadvantaged, disabled, that desperately needed some type of public format of transportation. And so they started with one van with some wheelchair securement 
And the company has grown over the last 45 years, needless to say, substantially as a result of that. But we're, I look at us as being in five businesses. So we're in paratransit, we're in fixed route, we're in school bus, school student transportation, we're in professional services, and we're in shuttle services. And so those are the five businesses that we're in. Certainly paratransit is the largest, followed by fixed route, followed by student, and then followed by professional services and, and also the shuttle business. That's great. I, I was really good friends with a former CEO, John Monson, who I consider one of one of my heroes personally in the business. He was a mentor to me early on when we both worked for a company that doesn't even exist anymore called Mayflower Transportation yeah. Services. And so I know that he was involved a lot of it. And And what's the MV stand for? I know a lot of people have asked me that over the years because it started out like Medivan or something, right? Yeah, it, it started out as California Medivan. Uh, and then got uh, shortened to just Medivan and then eventually shortened to MV. Uh, And so, but it started out as Medivan, but now it's MV Transportation. Yeah, and it still is, I mean, to me, MV stands for the gold standard for how things operate. MV's always hired some of the very best transportation general managers to run contracts. And to me, that's key. You've got John Gray, who's a good friend of mine, who runs your system there in, out in Seattle for King County. Another one of these really top-notch guys. Tell me about your focus on the people of the company and, and how important that is and kind of the, the breadth and the scope of, of where you all cover. Yeah. And so, first of all, Paul, one of my basic uh, leadership philosophies is that leadership changes business. And one of the most important things are is that you need strong, focused leadership who's accountable and responsible for the results of the company, who has a passion around serving our customers and who is knows how to treat employees with respect and dignity and knows how to provide the best opportunities for our employees. I think about every employee that joins the company is joining the company for a career. And I know that typically there's a lot of turnover uh, in transit, but we've really worked tremendously hard to bring turnover levels down and provide opportunities from inside the company. Of course, we've hired a lot of new leaders from outside, And that's good, but eventually a company can't sustain itself by constantly hiring everybody from the outside because what will happen is the people that have been here will eventually leave uh, because they feel there's no opportunity for them. So we're really focused on training programs, leadership development programs, uh, and building that long-term employee loyalty so that we can essentially start really promoting from within and building careers as opposed to this just being a job for people. That's great. One of your long-term employees, Leland Peterson, was also a little bit of a mentor of mine as well. I work with him at WMATA, Washington, D.C. And to be honest with you, he, Tom, he helped prepare me for my gig as CEO of MTA in Baltimore. What I learned under him was things that I had not, I didn't have in my skill set. And so working with MV and with Leland and some of the other folks on your team there really helped prep me for that. And so for that, I thank you. So uh, tell me about the scope of what MV does. You guys are uh, like uh, U.S. and Canada. Are you in like 25? I don't know what you can say publicly, but you're over a billion dollars, right, in, in business every year? Yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're of course, uh, privately held, so we don't publish our financials, but we're well over, significantly over a billion dollars <laughs> in annual revenue and, and, frankly, been growing at a dramatic pace over the past two years. Our results have been nothing short of spectacular. And what we've been able to do, Paul, is, as you mentioned, some of our, our leaders, like a Leland Peterson and a John Gray, what we've been able to do is take the best of the leadership talent that was in place, 
uh, and bring in a new set of leadership with a whole different perspective uh, on how to do things and blend those together to build a better business with, with a focus and a strategy really around our customers and being the best customer service in the industry when enabling that through discipline, process, structure, accountability with an overlay of technology. Uh, and that's allowed us to really achieve uh, spectacular results over the past couple of years. And so, so very, very uh, pleased with how things are going. And, and I, by the way, I think the best is yet to come. I look at the COVID situation, the pandemic is kind of a big bump in the road. Yes. Uh, and it's going to require all of us to rethink our businesses. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've figured out how to manage in the new world. We don't know everything. No, things will continue to change and there'll be uncertainty. But, you know, our leadership team is prepared for that and we welcome that challenge. And we're confident that no matter what gets thrown at us, we'll be able to manage through it uh, and be able to produce good results. That's awesome. Yeah. I think you probably share my philosophy that a crisis really, when you're able to turn it on its head, can turn into an opportunity. So tell us about how MV, how have you responded to this COVID-19 crisis? What's been what's been happening? What's the current status now? So the very first thing, and I, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of background. So, so really, our first experience with the pandemic was early in February, okay. uh, where I got a call from one of my major customers out on the West Coast. And essentially, they had uh, informed me that a gentleman had passed away of this illness from a nursing home that has now been infected, where multiple people were infected with this illness. And they were concerned about our drivers and, and our, our workforce. And so we immediately gathered our leadership team together and said, wow, this is something that we got to think about. Could it happen other places? And so what we really did I remember it was a Saturday morning. I pulled my leadership team together and I basically said, okay, what we really need to think about is could this happen elsewhere uh, and how are we going to prepare the company? So the first thing we did was we established a five point plan, right? We established a disciplined leadership planning cadence in case this situation grew. We really focused on ensuring the safety of our employees and passengers in the community and said, what safety protocols do we need to implement beyond what we already do today? We also said, hey, we got to reach out to every customer, find out what the impact is, what they're seeing, and have an open dialogue with them as to how this may impact them. Uh, then we also said, okay, and will it impact the company's financial health? What's our cadence around that? And then the last point of it is, and, and it kind of fits into this whole uh, nada that I'm sure we'll talk about, is that we said, hey, how do we use others, what I call the ecosystem, to help us understand what's happening, whether that be our suppliers, whether it be our customers, the FTA, uh, the CDC, or other constituents in the industry, how do we use that to really help us understand and be better and manage through it? So we put that plan in place mid-February. Uh, which I think was somewhat ahead of the curve. And that plan still is alive today. We still have a daily call with the whole leadership team for an hour a day and, and really manage through the whole process. And we've done that every single day since mid-February. And it's brought us closer together as a leadership team and it's put us in sync as everybody's on the same plan. Wow, that's something, Tom. Every day, huh? Hour-long call, day. that's great. 
So, yeah, you, I remember when that happened, and that was the first place that we saw COVID come up here in the U.S., so that's amazing. So, as you you and I, you mentioned Nata, we'll talk about that in a minute, but what do you think is going to happen, I mean, from your perspective, being a CEO of one of the big companies, what do you think is a long-term impact of COVID that it'll have on transit as a whole? Yeah, I believe there's going to be a long-term lasting impact on public transit, without a doubt. Uh, it's going to drive changes in how routes get scheduled, how people board vehicles, interact with riders, collect fares, clean, sanitize vehicles. It'll be a, a significant impact. But I also think this pandemic is is really reinforced the essential need for public transit. There's still a need for safe, efficient, and equitable transportation, not to mention the continued critical transportation for the elderly and the disabled. And I think the pandemic has highlighted the need for all transit systems and their operators to be highly flexible and responsive to change, right? There's change in what customers expect. There's changes in technology. There's frankly changes in environmentals around going to electrification. And and we really need to be as an industry and as a core set of companies that service transit uh, really need to learn to be more flexible, more responsive, because one thing I think is certain in the future is that whether there's pandemics or not, this industry will change tremendously over the next decade or two. Uh, and we need to be very responsive and be continue to be a significant player and continue to make sure that we can service the needs of the industry. That's good. That's a, that's a very comprehensive answer. I'm sorry to see that some major transit systems now, as a result of the pandemic and the shutdown that occurred, they're talking about significant route cuts that these systems, even my my old home system, MT in Baltimore, 20% cut of routes, et cetera. What can the private sector, what can you offer public agencies who are, who are maybe going to have to do away with legacy routes? How can public transit utilize the services of private contractors in order maybe to help put some of that off? Yeah. So look, I mean, I think as a private transit providers, it's incumbent upon each of us to really understand the needs of every single customer that we have. MV has well over 200 contracts. And one of the things that we did first as the pandemic was starting to grow, we established a cadence with every single customer. So every week, every one of those 200 customers, we have a dialogue about what's happening in their transit system, what are the needs, and we're really customizing our service and what we're capable of bringing to them based upon what their needs are. And so I think that I think about our business is a customer service business and servicing those needs of the customer, not only listening to them, but also bringing to them uh, the full scope of what we're capable and things that they may not be able to do themselves and really being able to bring that to them to enable what they need to do in their system. And so I think that that's what companies like us need to do. In addition, uh, we also need to bring some innovation, right? We have the benefit of seeing how over 200 transit operations around the country work. We have the benefit of knowing how we service those 200 plus transit organizations. We have ideas and processes things that we call sort of the MV best practices repository that are very standardized, innovative things that we continue to bring to our customers to try to serve them better. And I think we're going to need to continue to bring that to the industry as it evolves and to keep it relevant uh, and keep it being able to service the ridership and, and really the most, the people that really need the service. 
great. You mentioned earlier this group NADA, which is uh, kind of was formed, I guess, after the pandemic hit for some of the largest private contractors in the public transportation industry to join together and form an industry association. And your MV is one of the founding members. I know you've been actively involved in that. What's your view of the North American Transit Alliance or NADA and what can it accomplish? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to thank Dick Alexander of uh, TransDev. Uh, You know, Dick reached out uh, to me. I think it was really in mid-March and really asked me to join and, and look, I really appreciated the reach out. I knew a couple of the CEOs. I didn't know Dick personally. But one thing I did know is that companies like MV uh, needed to band together in some way to serve the industry. Even though we're competitors, we have an obligation to further the industry, bring innovation. And I look at this as kind of the start of that. And I came from a technology industry where everybody partners with everybody else because customers expected technology to be seamless uh, and a seamless experience. And so being able to have this group of CEOs that we can sort of work together for the collective benefit of our customers, uh, the industry and ourselves, I think is a fantastic thing. I mean, I think collectively we felt a sense of duty to the communities we serve and to create an organization that advocates for effective public transportation systems plays a leading role in serving the needs of cities across North America and maintains confidence in public transportation. And so if I think about NADA, our initial goal due to the pandemic has been restoring service safety and improving the value of transit in its current state. And our more timeless objectives are to advocate for our combined workforce and private contractor firms with policymakers and public transit agencies. And then kind of the last objective is promote innovation that ensures transit is personable, uh, personal, equitable, and sustainable, and prepared for the challenges that lie ahead. So collectively, we have an opportunity as the big six providers to really shape the future of the industry and bring innovation to our customers that they can't bring to themselves. Sounds great. This past August, MV celebrated its 45th anniversary. Since you mentioned Faison and Alex Lotti founded the company in 1975, what's their influence on the company and how has the company evolved over those 45 years? That's an amazing story. Yeah, and so Alex and uh, Faison continue to be on our board. They don't participate in in, uh, any form of day-to-day operations, but, you know, they set a tone for kind of how the company serves the most disadvantaged and disabled and really what they founded, the principles they founded the company on 45 years ago still exist today, right? It's a passion to serve people that that have no other options and really need our service. And so they, we can have continually are reminded of that every single day by their presence on the board, by little notes that they send out to the leadership team and out across the company. They really help keep the spirit of what the original principles and founding of MV Alive, I applaud them for it, right? I have tremendous respect for Alex and Faison. They sort of are our spiritual guides as we navigate the company into the next 45 years. So I look at my role as really setting the company up for the next 45 years of success. I'd like someday for a CEO to be sitting in this very seat saying, hey, we've been in business for 90 years. And so that, to me, would be the greatest honor that we could pay Faison and Alex and all the great people uh, that have helped build this company. 
Well, Tom, you've got quite a uh, six, quite an uh, an amazing American success story there with MV Transportation, having really now been in a leadership position for the entire public transit industry. Thank you so much for being with us today as a guest on Transit Unplugged. Best wishes as you continue to navigate out of this COVID nineteen crisis, and successful wishes as we continue to serve uh, the people that are most important, which are the passengers. Right? Yeah, and Paul, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.